Good morning. I'm Peggy, and um, I'm reading from Ephesians 3, um, um, verses 20 through 21. Thank you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yes, thank you, Peggy, and thank you, um, Tina and Aggie, again, for that, that All of Life interview. Um, for anyone who missed that or anyone who happens to be listening online or whatever, um, definitely encourage you to l listen to that. I might even do it again. It's very encouraging, um, great perspective. So, um, yeah, so good mo morning. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. Um, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I just want to give you a, a heads up. I have a speech impediment. It'll kind of come in and out as we go. And so I want to make sure you know um, what, uh, what that is. And also, we kind of, I think we do this every year. Obviously, today's Memorial Day. But, um, you know, throughout the summer, uh, we have a large student contingency who are often not here. And so we have this kind of hole in this area right here, kind of front and center. And how good would it be at the end of the summer if all the students come back and are like, whoa, our seats are gone. Like people <laughs> fill them. So move up and in. We all know they get here last. So they will have, no, not really. If I, was, if I didn't have to be here, I'd probably be strolling in late. Um, that's, that's me. But um, anyway, yeah. So I want to encourage that though, you know, throughout the summer, kind of move up. And, and in. And uh, we're going to get into our time together as we've continued through Ephesians uh, in Ephesians um, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. So if you want to go ahead and turn there with me in your Bibles, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word, would you go ahead and uh, hold your hand up high and keep it up so somebody can be sure to get you one. Y en español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, uh, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no, tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 3, um, versículo 20 y 21. Um, so again, if you don't have a Bible, please keep this, okay? This is our gift to you, right? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word. They can make, make their own. And so as we're getting there, I just want to again say thank you for that surprise, the elders. Um, yeah, just thank you guys for that. I don't know who else had a hand in that. Um, very encouraging. Uh, you could tell probably by my awkward reception of it um, that I, I'm not used to things like that. So that was, that was very cool, very meaningful. And also, yeah, thank you for honoring Kira. Um, don't want to cry. Don't do this. Um, I'm not there. I did that two weeks ago. Come on. I need a break from. Um, but no, just anyway, yeah, thank you, though, for honoring Kira, for honoring my, my family in that way. Our, our church is, it was just an um, honor to get to go through that. And uh, I'm, I am very excited, though, to be done. And uh, true confession, I looked at the thing and I was like, oh, cool. How'd they get this? And then it says something like, some like, there's not my actual diploma in there. So I was like, how did they get that? You know? Um, <laughs> before me because it hasn't I haven't even gotten it yet fully like it's being shipped from St. Louis so to be continued I have to give it back if they never send it I probably should um 
Anyway, let's go ahead and pray, okay? We need uh, uh, the, the, the Spirit to lead us through this time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning we can be together in, in your word. Um, Lord, we, we confess and embrace the fact that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord, that your word is sharper than even a two-edged sword. So um, you know where we need to be pierced. Lord, you know where we need to be encouraged. Um, Lord, you know where we need to be convicted and, and uh, where we need to be built up. So we, we pray that, they, they, that your spirit, whom you have sent, would, would, would dwell here, that you would protect us from the enemy and all his works and his attempts to distract us and to bring us down. Lord, we pray that we would be strengthened individually and communally as your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So where we are in Ephesians um, is we've been in a time of prayer, right? Paul, the Apostle Paul who, who wrote this, um, began a prayer, right? We talked about this before. He began a prayer and then he kind of got distracted and he went on a long, and for us in many ways, shaping kind of section where it was really, he was talking about oneness and, and, and God's call for, for building one people and how that um, necessarily includes cross-cultural relationships. We hunker down there and then we pick back up in his prayer. And so now we're at the end of his prayer, what's been called the doxology. That's kind of the ending or the, or the closing of the prayer. Some of you did, I actually, true confession, didn't know that, didn't grow up in church. Then I learned about singing the doxology, which we often sing here. Are we singing that today by chance? Oh, it's missed. No, just kidding. Um, they, <laughs> I never know. We didn't know. It's my bad for not uh, telling them in advance. But anyway, it's a, it's a, the doxology is like the, you know, closing, and we often sing that together, and, and it's great. It's, it's an incredible time. Well, um, well, that's where we are right now, is the doxology, the closing of Paul's prayer in this, in this section. And it's unique, as we'll see here. But there's a triumphal element to it. And even his language that is used, if you, um, if you were paying attention when we re read the, the scripture reading, and then we'll see more, that there's this, there's this power, this charge regarding who we are as God's people and how God's power is so great that it's meant to inform uh, how we view ourselves, how we view every aspect of life, how we go about our everyday life, who we are as his people. So imagine someone's giving you this like, you know, psych up speech, right? This, 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 this pump up speech about how great God is and he's an ambassador of God and yet he's sitting in a jail cell. Uh, apparently a posture, a place of humility, of defeat, of brokenness, of, of weakness, and then he's talking to you and encouraging you about how significant you are as God's people and all these things, and yet you're experiencing everyday circumstances that are very different from that, that, that are challenging to, to wrap your mind around this good news. That's what the word gospel means, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that, that all things were made through him and for him, and that he is currently ruling and reigning over all things, the things that are seen and things that are unseen. And yet you're like, ah, that doesn't compute. So what often what we tend to do is we tend to overly over-spiritualize it and kind of put it out there as, okay, that's there, okay. And, we, and we'll even say it and yet struggle to connect what it really means for us in our everyday life. 
And that's not new for us here today. That's the same kind of tension that these people who would be receiving this, that the church in Ephesus would be receiving this. And yet, again, God wants his people to know how unimaginably great his power is and how, how, how present that is meant to be for us, his people. Okay, and so with that, we pick up here in Ephesians 3, verse 20, where we look at God's power uh, explained to his people. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Okay, to him who is able, okay, God, to him who is able to do far more abundantly. So that, we, we, those three words there, those three English words, far more abundantly, is one Greek word, and it's one that Paul, most um, kind of commentary theologians agree that he, it's probably a made-up word or one that he, like a, like a compound word, right? It's, does anyone else here do that, just kind of make up words sometimes to try to describe something? You're like, is that even a word? And, you know, and we'll kind of joke about it. Well, well, Paul's doing a similar thing, but he's not joking here. He, he, there's this one Greek word, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce for us because it's, it's a made-up Greek word, so why would I? No, because um, I can't. But... Um, but, but so he says this, and yet it takes us three words to try to capture what he means, and I don't even know that we adequately do it. It's like a super superlative that he uses here. He's saying like super abundantly, okay? Picture his language here of like grabbing you from the scruff here in your shirt and just saying, do you get how great God's power is? It's, it's super incredible, Right? It's, it's, it's far more abundant. It's super abundant. It's, 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 it's so much that you can't even, it's more than you could ever even ask. It's more than you could ever even think. Like that's humbling, right? It's also a little bit challenging to consider, like, man, God's power, his present, relevant power is greater than I could ever even comprehend. And again, I think if we're, if we're honest, right, we tend to just maybe dismiss and not even try because it's so great, it just kind of, we keep it there. We keep it at an arm's length and it doesn't really apply to every day. We're just like, oh God, he's amazing. He's great. He's big, you know, but, but then it, we fail to live in this tension where, where we're called, we're considered to actually engage in this reality of how great his power is is because the author here Paul is is assuming that God's people are praying he's he's assuming that, that he says it's far more even than you could ask right so there's this sense of there's this engagement with God's power with God's character which again I think we struggle to to really embrace because maybe it's 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 hard for us our circumstances weave us in this place where it's like, I don't even really want to ask God boldly or confidently or with, with hope because I don't know really how his power actually relates to my, my everyday circumstance. It does, but really counterintuitively. And Paul is, is an example. The fact that he's in prison is not just a little inconvenient side note, right? That he's like, try to, hey, forget the fact that I'm in prison because I know I'm talking about God's power, but hey, this was just a blip and, you know, some things went unplanned, you know, I'm in prison, but whatever. But anyway, let's ignore that. Let's talk about God's power. No, his context that he's writing this in is actually incredibly necessary for, for the content, okay? His context where he is is important for the content of what he's saying as he's referring to and talking about 
God's power. It's like he's saying, do you even know who your God is? Right? And Paul's like, God can do far more than you or I could ever imagine. And then it's like an outside, right? An outside audience or a voice, if you will, is responding like, yeah, um, so great that you're in prison. (laughs) Yeah, I can comprehend that. Like, Okay, it's so great that you, his servant, the one who he revealed himself to, right? Jesus risen from the dead, um, revealed himself to Paul, and then told him, you're, you're, you're my man. I've got a plan for you. You're going to carry my good news to the Gentiles, right? Like throughout, throughout the, uh, the, the non-Jewish world, like my, my plan is so big, and it's, it goes beyond just this one people group. And so you're going to go, and right, Paul's like God's man, and yet he's sitting in jail, but, but what Paul's saying throughout this whole book we've seen and his response would be, yeah, it's hard to imagine, huh? My circumstances look pretty bleak. And yet, even in this, somehow, God's power is so great that he's working in this right now. Not reactively, not like, oh shoot, Paul's in prison. I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that, right? Like he's caught off guard, right? Like I was earlier when I got, you know, and he's guys not like awkwardly like, okay, let's try to make the best of this. And a lot of even theology, okay, this is a side note. I'm not going to go there too much. Ephesians 2, if you will, if we struggled with that, which I know some of us did, we could go back there. But God's sovereignty, some of us treat it like he's reactive, like God's kind of like fumbling along and like just at the last second he comes in, you know, and kind of saves things. But no, the picture that Paul is writing is one of, 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 of authority and confidence and oversight and intentionality. Okay, so Paul's even being in prison, he's saying, yeah, isn't it incredible that God is um, even able to work through this? Even able to work in this, even able to work by this. That again, do you see how that changes things? How our posture tends to be, man, well, I know I got a curveball here and um, I, God probably being the good grandfatherly figure that we tend to think of him in is really cheering for me and will probably, is probably hoping I'll get out of this circumstance and probably could in some way, you know, and, and ultimately it all work out, right? I'll get zapped up, beam me up, Scotty, to some ethereal, non-physical heaven, which, we, which is not biblical, by the way, at all, but is our view of I'll just zap up and then whatever, it'll all be fine then. But it has nothing to do with real life. But no, Paul's saying, yeah, even in this broken circumstance, God's un- uncomprehendable power is at work. Maybe this helps sink us in for a little bit more. Was this cross, was the cross, the cross of Jesus, an accident? Did God bring about the the greatest victory we could ever imagine, putting an end to death, putting an end to sin, putting an end to, to suffering, putting an end to brokenness, reconciling us, as we've seen in Ephesians 1 and 2, reconciling us to him and to each other through the cross, Right, that's scandalous. It's seemingly foolish. That's, from our perspective, right, from our economy, the way we evaluate things, that's powerless. That's weakness. Jesus, God the Son, hanging naked, shameful, beaten, seemingly defeated, crying out in the end, breathing his last breath and then dying, but that's God's display of power. 
what has been this, the cross is necessarily connected to the resurrection. It's called the, the Christ event, the climactic point in all of human history, the Christ event, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. None of us would draw that up as our victory plan, right? Right, if you or I wanted to reveal our power, wanted to give our kids in this case, if you, know, if you were trying to give your kids a little, little sense of, of confidence, you wouldn't descend into death and weakness and brokenness. But that's what God does. And Paul wants his people to be empowered, to be, to be encouraged, to, to be able to remain steadfast. Okay? The charge to be steadfast in your faith is not just a, a charge in a vacuum from afar. It's God who knows that he's working in and through all things and he's pre- presiding over all things and flexing his power over all things and says, be steadfast so that we can look and see that God's power is not on hold when we're struggling, but is at work even while we're struggling. And Paul wants his people to know that. And again, not just out here, but in real life. And it's, in this, it's directly connected to prayer. Okay, some of you guys know we've been talking a lot about we long to be a, a, a growing church of prayer. Emphasize on uh, growing in prayer. Where, where we'll, we'll take time, we're even going to take time at the end of this service, so don't, don't hurry out, you know, if you do, tend to, shame on you, no. But for the benediction, which is an important part of, the, of our liturgical order here, of walking through the good news, the story of God, the benediction, the sending out of God's people is important, okay? So hang around for that if you're able. But um, I know, I worked in kids last week. I know some people who just run out and, no, I think it's because you want to bring your kids in for it, right? But anyway, um, Again, I would be singing a different tune if I wasn't up here, right? Four kids, like, we got to get home. Um, but even that part, we're going to pray for people being sent out to Guatemala, and, and, and there's importance in prayer. And Paul wants God's power to inform how we pray. Okay, right? It says here, he says here, God's power is far greater, far more abundant than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This, this is directly, this is prayer language that we ask, that we go before God, this almighty, powerful God, and that we ask him things in light of who he is, in light of his character, in light of his promise, in light of his proven power through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. And he, he calls us to ask, but just let's consider for a moment, how's your prayer life? What does... What what does it look like for you to go before God in prayer? And as I say this, I'm using you language, but I'm, this is us language. Okay, it, I think for many of us, we struggle in prayer because this idea of God's power is hard for us because we ask the question, especially when we're facing really difficult circumstances, we say, God, are you able but not willing or are you willing but not able? Because it seems like that's the only two options. Because if you're all powerful, then how can you be all good and let me be enduring this right now? And sometimes we try to protect God from our, our honesty. And if we read the Psalms, we don't need to do that. We can go before him as the author, especially David of the Psalms often does, is, is just is real. God, are you powerful? And we see here, Paul is unashamedly sitting in a very destitute situation. He's in a prison cell. 
And yet he's, he's adamantly like grabbing us and saying, do you know how big your God is? Do you know how great he is? How powerful he is? And yet then we wonder, well, is he willing? And again, the answer we see in all kinds of different places, even here, but we look no further than the cross. He's willing. He demonstrates his love. And that while we're yet sinners, like go back in your mind for a moment to that time during confession, right? Confession and assurance of grace. And I don't know what everyone confessed here, right? We don't need to do, we don't do that. We don't do that kind of confession that way. But right, whatever it is, I know for me, some of it's like, man, I'm glad people can't read my mind right now. I don't even use, I like to like journal a lot. I'm a, I, I call it a journal. Some might call it a, a diary. Actually, I call it like a war log. No. Um, it's just, but I, I like to journal and I have for a long time. And, and, and often even there, there are times where I'm like, how do I kind of church this up in my writing? So if it ever gets found or read, you know, it's not as bad as it really is on paper. And then that bleeds into my, my, my prayer life sometimes too. Right? And that, that, should, that should shock us. Because what we do in that, when we minimize our sin, we minimize the price that God paid to absolve us of that sin, to forgive us of that sin. In that deepest, that worst mo- moment, whether it was right now confessing your sin or whatever it might be, God shows you his love for you. In, the, in that place, Christ died for you. So we know God's able we know he's willing, and yet it's still a very real struggle when we're in the moment, right? I know when we were expecting um, triplets, some of you guys know our story, and we had already experienced lo- loss in um, child, you know, seeking to conceive and um, to have children, and we had, it had been a really tough season, and when we finally found out that my, at that point, just over 100-pound wife was carrying triplets, and it was her first, you know, full pregnancy. It was very doom and gloom, and the doctors gave us a lot of, it was, it was hard. And I just confess, that was the longest time of my life and the most difficult time in my relationship with God, and specifically with prayer. Because that reality of, God, are you able? Well, yeah, I believe that, but you might not be willing and that was where I tended to go. Some people go, you're, you're probably willing, but you're not able. For me, the able thing, it's, it's a little easier for some reason. Maybe it's our reform tradition that we have, but, but the, 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 the willing part can be more of a struggle. And, and, I, and again, it's very real. And yet God proves his love and he calls us to come before him. And yet I, I really often played it safe. I was, I was hesitant to say, God, would you do a miracle? Our next pregnancy, actually our daughter Zoe, was even more of a doom and gloom. They were not only like it could be this, they were like it is this. And for months, um, they were, they were, it was really hard. And yet we prayed, and even at that point, we had uh, maybe matured a bit. Um, my wife certainly had. I was slow in coming, but we asked for God to heal our, our child, knowing, and even in our prayer, it's confusing. I go for a run a lot of times with Paul Bell, and he and I will pray, and we talk about how, how it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so tempting to want to play it safe, but then at the same time, what do we do? We're not a, a word of faith or a name it and claim it. It's, I don't mean to be like, 
pejorative with that, but, you know, or like a, or a, or a prosperity gospel, right? We don't believe that. We don't think if you're following God, if you're being faithful, then whatever it is that you're asking for, it's in God's name. It's according to his will. So he will give it. If he doesn't, then something must be wrong with you, right? I was told that at the church I grew up in because of my speech impediment. Um, just, you know, if you had, had a bit more faith, it could, God could do it. It's something's wrong there. Something's askew with you if it's not. And thankfully in that moment, I had the discernment to be like, that's whack. I was like 12. Um, I'm sure I used other words, but, um, but uh, right, but, but no, like we don't believe that. So what do we do? But how do we reconcile then places like in Matthew 7 when Jesus himself says, ask and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find Right? How do we, what do we do with that? Ask, well, I don't know. Knock and the door will be open to you. Well, I'm kind of getting used to an, to an emptiness, to just knocking and, right? Like how we treat the awkward neighbor across the street. Hey, be quiet, guys. Act like you're not here. You know, they're coming, right? No one else does that? Okay, yeah, me neither. But, you know, that, you know, that kind of deal. Like we think that's what God's doing. Like I'm knocking, but I guess I must be annoying to you, right? Stephen really unpacked that last week. No, God delights in us. And he tells us, and then he goes on. Jesus goes on and expands it. He says, he says, for those of you who were parents, which one of you, if your kid came to you and said, hey, can I have a loaf of bread, would give him a rock, which just sounds cruel, right? Or, or if he came and asked you for a fish, would give him a serpent. And then he says, certainly not. If you who are, who are sinful give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give to his children, to those who ask Right, so there's this, this aspect of prayer here of, of dealing with God's, with God's power, his character, which if we're, it just often doesn't seem to compute with our current circumstances. And yet we're still called to go before him confidently and boldly, and yet knowing that he might not do the way we want it to be done. Right, some have said that every answer to prayer is um, Yes, no, or maybe, or not yet. And I would add to that, just especially from this, not like that. And and I just, let's just for a moment, let us sit in this tension. I don't want to excuse it. That that's reality. Hey, church, like, look at me. That's real life. God will always hear you. He will always answer you. He will never turn away from you. Hebrews 13, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet in my experience, and we see in scripture, often the reality will be not like that. And what we get from this, okay, we can't miss this. What we get from Paul's message is because he's got something even greater in store. And I know that can sound mean and cruel, but it's what Paul's saying in this place is he's saying, I know you don't get this. You can't. You can't even imagine it. But his power and his plan is even greater than you can imagine or ask. So ask. Ask boldly. Ask confidently. Ask with hope. And, and, and build that on the foundation that either way, he is at work. And it might not look the way you expect it to or even want it to. And at the end of the day, I think that's where we sit in that tension. And that's where Paul leaves it. Uh, another little story that came to mind for, for us, for me, 
was my wife and I, when we, before we had the aforementioned um, triplets, and we were in that process where we had gone to East Asia, and we, had, we loved kind of traveling and had been in different places and wanted to just invest our lives for the kingdom, right? A lot like probably Aggie mentioned earlier of just this terror. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm, what am I called to, right? That's a common question. What's my gifting? And I love the kind of joke of especially as a 20, 20, two-year-old, you think the job of your dreams and your, and your calling that's going to change the course of human history, you're already going to have it. Like, and if you're 23, well, it's too late. What have you done? You know, and that's, some of us carry that, that posture, but that's not real, right? That's not, that's not how God works. And so we were in this place, I forget, maybe in our mid-20s, and um, so I make fun of you. We were right there with you, right? Like, God, why have you kept your will from us for so long? And it's like, oh, you mean the last four years that you've actually been an adult? Like, but... <laughs> Nonetheless, that's where we were. And so, um, so we actually went on like a, 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 a retreat together and we, and we prayed, we fasted, we got a room that didn't even have a TV, it was crazy. Um, and we, we actually talked to each other and, um, and, we, and we reflected and we had some options. We could either go back to East Asia and spend significant time there and invest our lives there. We could um, go to in kind of an urban setting in Sacramento or I would go to seminary in Bo- Austin, and through that, and we would still work with the ministry that we were with, and after all that, this whole time, wise counsel, all this, it was go to Austin, right, and go to this seminary, and we had this plan. Well, fast forward, we had financial aid, housing, everything's lined up, and then you're pregnant, and then we found out that the baby was due on the first day of classes, and we're like, well, that's crazy, we don't really know how to handle the snow, but hey, whatever, it'll be an adventure, it'll work, and then we found out it was babies. And we're like, whoa, whoa, okay, never mind, Boston, peace, like, <laughs> you know, see you some other time, like, and everything changed, and it was like, man, why did we go through this other process? Why did we end there? And we could go through story after story. Again, this is, this is God's sovereignty on a street level that we've got new experience, like what leads us to this room right now in this moment where we are. I could, it wouldn't take too, too much time to trace back the things that we thought were going one direction and God was working in that moment in all the struggles, there was, again, there were massive amounts of tears and pain and ER visits and, and difficulty. And then even that, that ultimately led us back to here to planting a church in Tucson that wasn't like God didn't peel back the heavens and just make it easy and kind of hit us with his little fairy wand and here we are. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's how he works. His power, he's at work among us. And he loves something that as we go into verse 21 here and kind of land this plane is remember, God loves to reveal his power through our weakness. And that might be offensive to some of us, but it, I think it's something that we need to come to terms with. Again, look at the cross. It's how he revealed his, his universally um, eternal victory plan was that way. So how much more, uh, how, how much from that does he continually love to reveal his power through weakness? And that's where we pick up now in verse 21. It says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So his whole plan, this long-term, this multi-generational plan, this dysfunctional Ephesian church, and let's put ourselves in their shoes. How would they read this right now? In the church, whoa, what? Like our ch- this church? Like in the church, God wants to reveal his power. I'm kind of starting to 
be okay and understand like through Jesus and through you know, miracles and healings, but he wants to do it through, through the church. This is the only place. This is a different kind of doxology. Some of the other doxologies, if you're taking notes, I'll even jot down a few more or you can jot down a few more if you want. Um, some other places is in um, R- Romans chapter 11 and Romans chapter 16 and then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21, and then 1 Peter chapter 5 are all doxologies, right? Similar to this. But none of them talk about God's power in the church. They all talk about God's power in Christ. And yet here we see Paul wanting to make a very clear point that, that Jesus' glory and his church are necessarily connected. Okay, s- sit on this for a moment. Like, how do you view church? Is it kind of like, meh? You know, is it kind of like, well, you know, I take it or leave it. It's, it's helpful. I love Jesus, but I don't really love this whole organized thing. I don't really love, you know, this. It's like, whatever, I come, it's, or I, or I consume it or whatever, now, Paul is talking about the universal church, the God's people, the ecclesia, the, the not just a building or even one congregation, but given the context of who he's writing to, he's also talking about local congregations, which is God's idea. We read in First and Second Timothy and in Titus, God's laid out his plan for his people and so if we it would be like coming up to someone being like, "Hey, I really love you." but dude, I hate your family. <laughs> like, yeah, that's going to be a really, oh, cool, no big deal. I'm not, you know, whatever. Cool. Let's, hey, let's go, go play golf, right? You'd be like, what? Like, you can't, you can't hate my family and you can't talk about them like that. That's this idea. That's our posture often with the church. And yet we see here that, that no, Paul is understanding that God's power that is far greater than we can ask or imagine is, is, is Jesus' glory, and it's connected to his church, to his people. We can't separate them. So we need to understand that, that that's, that's God's design, that God's, God's glory goes with Jesus, absolutely. And where did Jesus d- decide to have his spirit um, dwell and, and to have his works be on display? Remember, I don't know if you remember, I don't even remember exactly where it was, but we got back to, yeah, chapter two. You don't have to turn there, I'll just even read it. Uh, Chapter two, verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This language is like in the Old Testament of God tabernacling, okay? God dwelling, God residing among, being in. Like in Genesis, the same idea of God walking in the garden, Well, he's chosen for that level of presence in this world to be us. So so we we better check ourselves if we just say, I love Jesus, but I'm not really cool with the church. Or if we have too low a view of who we are and what we're doing here. Um, One quote that I think is really helpful is that um, Timothy Gombis said this, The church is the arena of God's triumph, an agent of God's glory in the cosmic realm. God's spirit carries out his powerful works through his people. 
And we see in the Old Testament, we see in our own lives. I, I mentioned earlier my daughter Zoe. Some of you know Zoe. We named her Zoe because the Greek word Zoe means life. And man, did he answer that uh, prayer. She's full of life and some other things. And uh, we love her. And um, she was, I'll boldly say, she was miraculously healed. We, uh, and there have been other times I mentioned other grief where we experienced and God chose not to heal in the way that we thought he would. And we've lost and we've struggled and we've wept. And yet in that case, in that context, he wanted to reveal his power through healing our daughter Zoe of a, of a disease that she had been diagnosed in the womb and for months it had been progressing and then all of a sudden one month and we even did it. We even went crazy. We went on Facebook. We posted a video. We were like, this is what we're asking for. We feel like we don't want to hide behind our fears that God's not going to do this. But we're, and he did. And it was incredible. And um, he's working powerfully in ways big and, seemingly big and small. He doesn't care. It's his. He'll reveal his power however, however he wants. Earlier, and some of you guys were there on Tuesday night in this very place, God's power showed up in a magnificent way. We have been praying for years about our relationship with this school where we meet, with Safford. And um, Quinn Kears, somewhere here, who is an intern here, helping to lead the outward focus ministry of our church, she has been here slugging it out, probably, probably struggling to come, if at least anything like me. Some, she's been here at Safford during the school day and come in, and it's a hard school, and she would show up, her and her husband, on Fridays, and she would come throughout the week, and it was difficult, and seemingly the fruit was slow in coming. And then on Tuesday night, it was another one of those, like, man, we don't know how this is going to go. And in the past, they put on a, things like this and invited other families and stuff. And, and I think I heard like around three families or people would come to these things. And the last we heard, the number was around 300 that came on, um, on, on Tuesday. But that's not even where the power, where God's power showed up. It was just people coming and serving spaghetti and then relating with families and sitting down and talking and, and building relationships. And I got a card from a gal whose brother is a, is, a, is, a, is a pastor right up the street here, and they've been praying for partnerships and relationships. It's a, it's a, it's a bilingual, Spanish-speaking congregation, and it's like, we could throw a rock. We're not going to do that. That'd be messed up. But if we, if we did, we could hit them probably. And, um, but instead, we're going to actually meet and pray together and, and build this relationship and yet like so we could be like oh that's cool that's a coincidence or if you want to get really churchy we heard this really silly phrase never use this a christ incidence i think it's kind of silly um <laughs> some of you know who said that actually and um but but it's it's just it's as though god does this there and not no god who's sovereign over all is working powerfully among his people honestly tuesday night this was the last place i wanted to be it had been a long day, a long, long week, and I'm sure that was true for a lot of different people, and yet God is working counterintuitively. We, we love this idea here that, that, that life is naturally supernatural, right? What we would dismiss and we would leave God working in big ways to a couple things over here, he does all the time. So as we close, let's consider individually right now for you, for your family, as a, as a church, evaluate. God, what things can we celebrate? Like that Tuesday night, 
things, what can we celebrate, ways that we're living in light of God's power, whether it's the way we would draw it up or not? How are we pressing into that? How, and then let's evaluate, how can we grow in asking for more? How can we grow in, 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 in expanding our understanding? How much more than you can even imagine or fathom God's power are we pressing into that and saying, God, would you expand our view of your power? Would we not be afraid to ask, God, would you not give us favor in this kind of flippant way, but God, would you expand our influence, not for our glory, even do it in ways that we don't expect, but Lord, would you bring more people to faith in Jesus? God, would you, would you, would you reconcile more marriages? God, would you bring more young people to faith and, and send them as missionaries, as sent ones into their schools, into their classrooms, on their sports teams? Lord, would you, would you, impact, would you bring a movement here? Would you, would you bring your spirit to bear and would you bring your kingdom to light in, in and through us? Would God, would you grow us in that? So as we close here, let's respond and consider right now, whatever our circumstances, wherever we are, that God's power is far greater than we can ever even ask or imagine. Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for your good news. Um, though it's hard for us to say here um, sometimes, Lord, thank you that you're God and we're not. Lord, I pray for the anyone in this room, any family, any individual. Lord, even for, for us as a church, um, I confess that we don't want to go into wrong theology. We don't want to be in prosperity gospel kind of realm. And we also just want to play it safe, Lord. It, 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 it sometimes hurts to ask you to work powerfully. And yet, Lord, we ask you to reveal your power in us and through us, Lord, to bring your good news to bear in our broken city, Lord, in our church, in our families, in our world. Lord, in all this, I ask that your spirit would, would make us all the more aware of your intimate presence, your intimate and powerful presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.